This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hey there, coffee lovers. Are you ready to take your online presence to the next level? Well, grab your favorite mug because you're in for a treat. Welcome to the Coffee with Kate, brewing business brilliance for entrepreneurs podcast, where we brew up strategies to help you stand out online. I'm your host, Kate Payne, and I'm here to ignite your digital presence and bring out the best in your business. Like you, I love coffee, but my true calling is helping entrepreneurs like you unleash their unique stories to make a lasting impact in the world and become more visible online. I'll be your guide as we delve into riveting conversations with experts, clients, and colleagues. We'll cover a wide range of topics from networking and digital marketing to social media and the latest business and personal branding trends. Consider this your all-in-one resource for online visibility. Together, we'll discover all the ways you can stand out online and make an impact in the world. So let's connect, share ideas, and learn from each other. Okay. Hey, Jenny Dietrich. Welcome to Coffee with Kate. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Um, I am super excited to have uh, Jenny Dietrich here from Spin Sucks, her blog, which is also a book, and also the CEO of her own PR agency, Armit Dietrich in Chicago, right? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. And I met, I had been following Ginny online for a very long time and had ordered her book. And then she was a speaker at a conference I attended, uh, Rich Brooks Agents of Change Conference in Portland, Maine, um, I think in 2017 or 18. And I was so mad at myself that I forgot to bring the book to have you sign it. And I purposely went into, you were the end keynote and I purposely went in early and like stalked you a little bit because I wanted to just meet you and do a selfie. And I was gonna have you sign the book that I forgot. <laughs> anyway, from there, you were just always very generous and very nice to be in touch. And you sent me two awesome Spin Suck stemless wine glasses, <laughs> which I was going uh, to use today and throw you off instead of the mug. It's not on but brand I've though. recently moved and some of that stuff is all still packed up. <laughs> Well, next, so, time. Um, next time we'll do a happy hour. Of- yeah, that would be fun. I haven't done that yet. It could be wine with Kate. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so um, today, we're gonna talk, um, today we're going to talk about uh, lots of things. We're going to talk about PR stuff. Um, Bob Farnham is in the room. Hi, Bob. And he says he's been stuck. <laughs> Bob, Bob also so, owes me coffee. So Something about cooking dinner, I think. Oh, he thinks I'm going to cook him dinner. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, we'll straighten that out today. Thanks for joining <laughs> us, Bob. So um, I wanted to talk about uh, some of the things that are near and dear to my heart because we're both in the digital marketing field. And I know that PR is really, you know, your 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 thing. But um, you did a, I read your blogs like religiously. And you did a really interesting blog in the middle of March um, on values-based marketing. So let's start with that today. First of all, just for our viewers, um, can you just define what values-based marketing is, and then we'll just go from there? Yes, I can. But first, I have to do this because my hair is driving me crazy. Okay. <clears throat> do whatever you have to do. I just have to get... I'm like in eighth grade where I just pin my bangs back. There we oh, go. Oh, we have Carlin Ankrum in the room. Hello, Carlin. Thank you for Hello. joining us. Carlin is another super well-known social media person. Um, so thank you for joining us, Carlin. I appreciate it. Woohoo! Yeah. Okay, values-based marketing. Um, 
as you may know, we went through an experience last year, all of us, and it was a little painful for all of us. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. A little bit. Um, But as part of that, it was really interesting because from a communications perspective, because so many things happened, right? We had a health crisis. We had an economic crisis. We had a president of the United States uh, crisis. We had a um, social injustice crisis. There was all this stuff that was happening at the same time. And I think organizations were caught off guard. And a really good example of it is as everybody was figuring out what to do with the corona, as my child calls it, we we kept getting these emails from every company on earth that said, out of an abundance of caution. And it was like, where are your communicators? And it like nobody had even thought to say either they don't they don't have the communicators or the communicators didn't have a seat at the table. And that then progressed into the murder of George Floyd. And everybody was trying to figure out, do we make a statement? What do we do? How do we do it? What do we do with our social media? What do we do with our marketing? So now we have, you know, this global pandemic combined with this awful, horrendous thing that is happening in just culturally in our country. And how do we handle that? And communicators, I think, took a really high step up, especially in the eyes of executives with at a leadership level last year, because everybody suddenly realized, holy crap, we can't do this without you. Right, right. And we've always sort of put you in the corner over here and you've done your thing and we haven't really known exactly what you're doing. We know you're, we're supposed to have you. But oh my gosh, we can't come out and say out of an abundance of caution. And we can't just make a statement on racism if it's not truly baked into our values and our culture. And that's one of the things I think we've been we've had to be thinking about and acting on in the last year is what are our values as an organization and how do we communicate them? Right, right. Yeah, I think Carlin Carlin is agreeing with with agreeing what you just said. Um, so, and the other thing, the other piece that factors into this, correct me if I'm wrong, is it's also the companies, uh, especially at the beginning of the pandemic or the beginning of the shutdown, um, were sort of tone deaf also. Oh, you know, yes. Like there were still ads <laughs> and things that were running that had nothing with do. No, no, nobody was wearing masks. People were still hugging, whatever. Right, right, right. And there was just, so how does that all factor in too? Well, it's funny you say that because just think about it from your, your own perspective. Like I've been watching This Is Us and I know that they're, they've been filming throughout and they filmed during the short de- shutdown. And it's really strange to me to watch in some scenes they wear masks and some they don't. And you're like, no, like this doesn't, ah! Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think That's called continuity in the world of film. There's no. It drives me crazy. Right. Right. <laughs> but I think that, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to look back at stuff that was made during this time and go, why are they not wearing masks? Like we, what, what's happening here? And of course we, this is about PR. So we can't get into the whole, how the country has handled this in general, but um. Yeah, I I think you're right in that it has been very tone deaf. It took companies longer than it should have mm-hmm. to really figure out what it is that they need to be doing and how to behave. I mean, in fairness, we were all, it was a crisis for all of us. Right. I mean, we were and all we thrown on a dime and we were all like, what? <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think if you have a communicator in the room when you're making those decisions, 
you make different and better decisions that are not tone deaf. Right, right. So is so back to the values-based marketing then. Why don't you just can you just give us sort of like a definition of what it means? Like to have um your messaging be sensitive in a way that is still authentic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> so I am of the age that <laughs> I like to pretend that I'm not, but I am. Um <laughs> that we were taught that you don't talk about certain things at work. You don't talk right. about religion. You don't talk about politics. There are certain things you just don't talk about. And that's how I was quote unquote raised. Um, so now to switch that has been really hard for people. And it's been really hard for, I, I mean, most leaders have been taught that most leaders have done that, right? right. They have built their companies or grown their companies based on that mantra. Mm-hmm. You don't want to piss anybody off. You have customers from all segments of the world. And so to go out there with your values first is very risky. Right. Because when you do that, you are going to make people angry. Right. Start. You know what? I'm just going to interject if you don't mind. So no, I was going to bring up like, why is it risky? And especially in 2021, like this is values-based marketing is not new. It's been around for a while, but this has been quite the year for so many different things. Pandemic, you know, systemic racism, all the kinds of things. Give it, give an example. Um, like you did from your blog, you talked about like Nike was a good example when they first did the Colin, um, Kaepernick. I never know if I Mm -hmm. say that right. And then what happened afterwards, maybe that would just be a good visual or a good great example example to, for an example. Yeah. So (laughs) I wrote that that two months ago. So let me just rethink if I can remember the exact, um, well, when he when he Chronology. first came out, it was the the kneeling and and it was not yeah yeah, yeah. It, it was not well received, and then it was, it was the, well later on with the uh, with the jersey. So they they Nike came out and they supported him, and they right. said you know they did a whole campaign with him, and their stock tanked. I mean, it just poof. And instead of retreating with their tails between their legs, they knew they were making the right strategic decision for their brand. Right. And it wasn't about trying to get on a bandwagon or it wasn't about, oh, this is, we're going to news jack. It wasn't about that. It was about, we are making the right strategic decision for our brand. And this is what we believe. And because of that, they kept at it. And I can't ex- remember the exact number of years later, but they released his jersey and it sold out. And their stock has continued to climb. I right. mean, they had the tank, but it it started to come back up. And what it told investors was, these guys know what they're doing. This mm-hmm. is not a, oh, we're trying to jump on the bandwagon or we're tone deaf or they know what their values are. They know what the brand represents and they are going to to approach that and in a way that is authentic and real, no matter what happens. Right. That's what they're going to do. So when we're we're talking about that was obviously the Nike example. How could we talk about values-based marketing from the, you know, the majority of the people are watching are, are small business owners or solo entrepreneurs or something. Um, Carlin, for example, is, is a social media, you know, expert and communicator also. Um, how, how can people be, if they want to do this sort of values-based marketing approach, um, what would be a way for them to do it in a way that's not taking on something too big either? You know, like sure. what's the sort of happy medium? Um this, I mean, of course it depends, right. but, but <laughs> is that I, a typical answer in PR marketing? Well, it depends. <laughs> I mean, it does, 
But what I like when I'm approaching it, either for myself, for my business or for our clients' businesses, I look at it from the perspective of what is it that we're trying to achieve? And from my perspective, I'm there are certain things like I know we're going to talk about this later, but I did a pandemic diary for a year. Yes. And I can't wait and to talk about that. <laughs> I was very careful about not talking about certain things, mm-hmm. even though I have very strong opinions about it. I wanted the purpose of my diary was the everyday life stuff and not how much I hated who was in the White House. <clears throat> yeah. So I, I did that very purposefully because I wanted I wanted something that was going to bring people together instead of continue to, to be divisive. Right. So I think from that pers- so and that's just a very personal thing. But if you think about it from the perspective of, I mean, to the Nike point, what does our brand stand for? What are we willing to risk, and why are we doing it? Because if you don't know the why, you're going to retreat. And I think there are really good examples. I need to dig into this a little bit more. I just saw it yesterday, but there's something happening with Basecamp here oh, yeah. in Chicago. And I worked in an agency. That's what we used. Sorry, Siri interrupted you. That's okay. I said, um, I said when I worked at an agency, we had used Basecamp. So I'm oh, yeah. with it. Not everybody. So, it's a software. It's a pro. It's well, just describe project what it is. Management, project management. Project management. Project yeah. management. Well, and they're based here. I mean, they're they're a remote company, but their headquarters are here. Oh, and okay. From what I understand, there's been some list that they've kept of people that they don't like and people that they do like, and it's come out, and there's this big hubbub. Oh boy, I haven't heard that one. Uh, I just saw it yesterday, and I didn't okay. have time to fully dig into it, so I don't have the full story. But I think when you think about those kinds of things, it you have you have to understand the why behind what you're doing because then even though you're going to be you will you'll be eviscerated you'll be and there are lots of examples like i remember probably a decade ago gap went out to uh, five designs or one of the design places to have their logo redone yeah and they did a contest and there was whole thing and they released the logo and people freaked out and they retreated but when the data came out, the data showed that it was less than 1% of their customers that were freaking out. Oh, wow. It was not even. Yeah. So they retreated for no real reason. And that's mm-hmm. why you want to keep coming back to the why. Why are we doing this? Is it strategic? And are we okay with dealing with the social media mob who's yeah. going to be upset with us? Right. And then they're going to go on to the next. Right. Well, you know, it kind of takes me back to like when I originally started out in PR, which is like back in the... Um, well, I mean, that's what I majored in in college. It was basically communications, PR, journalism. Um, I mean, it was way before the web even existed, Yeah, you know, and traditional PR and today's PR are very different because today's PR is you have to pay so much attention to social media now. I mean, this is just a whole different level of um, awareness and what you have to be prepared for. I mean, back in the mid 90s, we were taught crisis communications. Now it's almost like it's almost like a, a skill you need, a prerequisite if you're going to do it in today's world, because not necessarily what's on social media is necessarily a crisis, right. but it's it's trolls. It's all of that stuff that's just you never know where it's going to come from. And it can hit you like that. Yep. I mean, it's like the cinnamon toast crunch guy, the shrimp tail guy. Yeah. Like, and he he really he really tried. And then, of course, 
the social media mob took him on and he sort of went away. But, you know, you think about exactly that, you know, you can have one person who just keeps coming at you and he rallies a bunch of people and it's, whether it's true or not, you have to respond. So that, that leads me to my next question. Cause people will ask me about that. Like, should I just delete it? And I'm like, Nope. Um, actually you have, you have an opportunity. So I'm sure we're on the same wavelength for that, but I'd rather have them hear it from you. <laughs> no, please do not delete it. I, you know, I, again, it depends. Um, you know, if it's what we sort of have a rule and this has been a longstanding rule that the first time we're going to say, Hey, listen, we're really sorry. If you'll DM us, we'll, you know, let's take the conversation offline. And right. then it's up to them if they right. do or not. If they keep coming at us, we'll give them a warning and we'll say, listen, we're happy to have this conversation with you offline, but we haven't heard from you. So right. if you continue to do this, we're going to delete your comments. And uh, then there's a there's a history of it, right? People can right. see that you've been rational and reasonable and all those things. Right. No, I think that's the best way to do it. You know, Bob, Bob, as we know, is listening right now. Bob's Bob's brand is a perfect example. I mean, he has totally branded himself as Bob the Green Guy. Yep. And so everything that Bob puts out on social media, whether it's his personal or his business, because um, he is his brand, is obviously everything related to, um, you know, maybe climate change, you know, green, mm-hmm. green energy, green, uh, renewable energy, green products, things like that. And so, you know, those are his values. So he's a good example of that. It's a great example. Yeah. 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 All right. Well. Um, so, so what do you think about, like, what do you think about where, how things might change? This is just sort of a prediction, um, I'm asking you to give, so nothing written in stone, but as we come out of COVID and how do we come out of lockdown over the next few months and start to kind of re you know, re-entry, <laughs> where, putting shoes on again, you say, I, I think, I don't know if you think, I think values-based marketing is going to be more prominent than ever. What do you think? I agree with you. Yeah. Um, and a lot, a lot, a lot of the conversations that I'm having both with clients and prospects right now is how do we continue to move this forward? You know, I've a lot of the conversations I'm having with with executives right now are difficult and they're difficult because it's it is a massive mindset shift for them because yes. they have been taught. We don't talk about these things. Um, and they saw the the level of engagement with employees that they had last year when they did say, Mm -hmm. we're going to give you time off to go protest. We want you to get involved. We want you to do these kinds of things. And the level of of employment engagement skyrocketed, but now it has plateaued because there isn't that same crisis happening. Right. And so they're trying to figure out how do we keep that same level of employee engagement? Because if that level of employee engagement is high, then so is the customer engagement. Exactly. So they're trying to figure that piece of it out. And that's, I think, where everybody is right now is how do we handle this going forward so that when there is a crisis, we're prepared, we're ready. One of the things you mentioned in that blog article was that this was in some ways a millennial thing. Like millennials really want to only do business with people who have a cause or or, or who share a cause or advocate or something. Um, but I would say that I think that because of the pandemic and because of lockdown, I would say it's not just a millennial any millennial thing anymore. Would you agree? I, yeah, I do agree with that. And then, and I think I made this point. Maybe I didn't. Um, in my <laughs> brain, I made this point. Um, it started with millennials. Millennials are the ones who said this is important, and right. you, you ha- we are only going to do business with brands that do these kinds of things. But 
they're the ones that brought it to sort of prominence. Yeah. But I'm the same way. You're the same way. Like I'm, I'm not a millennial as much as I am. Um, so I think you're right. And you do tend to be attracted to organizations that, and just like people, you are attracted to people who think the same way you do. Exactly. Have the same values that you do. Yeah. We have a woman um, listening, Michelle Robin. She says, I totally agree with values-based marketing being around for the long haul. People are craving human connection now and will increase their interest in doing business with human companies more in the future. Love that. Yes. Uh, I love that too. And love you know what that. else it reminds me of? And I think you, we have a, a shared knowledge is uh, Mark Schaefer. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark, Mark writes all about, about like the, the most human company wins. Yep. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's going to be even more prominent now because of what we've just gone through. 100%. Yeah. I do. I do think it's risky. I think, you know, executives are having, are struggling with it. What's yeah. the right thing? And, and are we prepared for when the social media mob comes after us? Well, yes, you know, one will. thing I've noticed interestingly lately, and maybe it's just been a Vermont thing. Um, Cause obviously I, I'm, I pay attention more to the local news in my backyard. Um, but uh, some companies now are talking about how they're letting their employees have to pay, you know, to, to be paid for the days that they go to get their vaccines. Yep. And I've even seen them taking another step further that those who are getting their second shot um, are taking the day after off just in case they have, you know, some, some kind of <laughs> reaction, you know, um, yeah. reactions or whatever. And companies are starting to sort of talk about that on social media, that that's what they're doing. And I, I think that's a really good move. I mean, it's just I think so too. saying yeah. that we want our employees to be healthy. We want our employees to do what they feel they need to do. And, you know, we're going to still take care of them. Yeah. And giving the time off to do that is really smart. And yes. it doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't it cost, cost you anything. Nothing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's switch, let's switch gears a little bit here. So um, thanks everybody for listening. If you have any questions for Jenny or me, but Jenny's what knows way more than me. <laughs> um, feel free to put them in the comments and, and I will be able to, I will share them with Ginny. Um, so one of the things I didn't realize this and I'm embarrassed to admit this actually, I didn't realize that you created the, the peso model. <laughs> I mean, I've been hearing about it. I just never knew until I read some more stuff about you that it was you that created it. And actually we talked about it with Nancy Marshall on my last Coffee with Kate. Nancy's a fellow PR person. So tell us, first of all, for people who aren't familiar, it's an acronym. What does it stand for? So the PESO model is paid, earned, shared, and owned media. Okay. And I didn't come up with paid. Oh, I thought you were the creator of it. I thought no, I did I something where it said you I came the- up with the model and the process, but I didn't oh, okay. come up with like paid media and earned media. Like that exists, right? Okay. But when I was writing Spin Sucks the book, I was thinking through the process that we use internally at my agency. And one of the challenges that I faced as a business owner was we were only focused on media relations. We did media relations and we did events and we did some reputation, but that was pretty much it. Right. And when you do that kind of work, there's peaks and valleys, right? Right. And when a client is paying you at a retainer, usually they want peaks all the time. They don't, right. they're, they don't want to pay for the, the valleys. And so we were trying to figure out how do we you know, how do we have consistency and how would, how do we demonstrate results? And so I was writing Spin Sucks the book and my publisher, may she rest in peace, uh, said to me, um, this is great. This is not, nobody is talking about this. Do you have a name for it? And I was like, 
Now I realize as a communicator, I should have a name for it, <laughs> but I do not. And the so the best of us, right? The shoemaker's children. Yeah. Uh, so we actually sat in a room with her Pearson colleagues and we came up with, and we, and, and we went back and forth because from my perspective, I think owned should start and then you go to shared or earned and then paid. Um, but OESP doesn't really stick and OSCP doesn't really stick. And so finally we we're like, well, peso makes sense because right. it's easy to remember. And that's the number one rule of branding. So we got that done. And then she said to me, do you have an image to go with it? And I was like, for heaven's sakes, just publish the stupid book. <laughs> go with it. So then I had to hire a designer to create an image. Ah, <sighs> so the vicious cycle, it. isn't it? Yeah. Then, I, then we published her. And really that was it. That was it. I didn't, I did not anticipate what it had, what it has done. I did not anticipate that the industry would be like, oh my gosh. I did not anticipate throwing that graphic graphic up on a screen for an executive and they go, oh, that's what you do. Happens every time. Yeah. Every time. So, so we kind paid, of work backwards. Paid, earned, shared, shared, shared and, and owned. Owned. I almost, wanted, I almost said organic. Yeah, so you've got, I mean, paid, you have social media, advertising, pay-per-click, search engine marketing, that kind of stuff. Um, earned is media relations. Right. Um, shared is is social, but it also has some other implications. And then owned is content. But where the magic happens is when they overlap, right? Because when you have paid and earned, you have search engine optimization and email marketing. And when right. you have owned and earned, you have... You also have SEO and you have thought leadership and credibility. So you, you start to see them all work together right. and really help an organization build credibility and authority. Right. So it's not necessarily just for PR people. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I come at it from a PR perspective because of course them, but yeah, I, any marketer could use it. I'm just going to pause here for a moment. Um, a colleague and friend of mine, Paula, who's also a book coach, just uh, shared an interesting comment. Helping a client write a book and central to the premise of the book, which is on sales, is the importance of human connection as a way to sell. So important today. So she was commenting on what we were talking yep. about, about that, that human connection. Yeah. 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 Well, Paula is a very wise woman <laughs> and a very good friend. And if you ever met, met her, Jitty, you would, you would um, love her like I do. So oh, well, maybe lots of laughs something. go on with, with Paula and me. Yeah. So um, anyway, um, so when you, when you work with a, um, well, what, first of all, let me ask you this. What types of clients do you typically work with? Larger companies? Yeah, it's, it's been funny because before the pandemic, we mostly did manufacturing, be really strong B2B work, but since since many of last year in hell. Yeah, right. <laughs> Actually, it's been pretty funny because most of those clients went away and then came back. They were like, ah! yeah. Yeah. Supply chain. Yeah. Oh, supply chain still, still, still tough. Yeah, it's bad. Um, so right now we're doing big brands, but we're doing big brands because of the peso model. Okay. Um, and really it's more, we're not actually doing the work, which is fine with me. We're um Educating and training their internal teams. Okay. How many people on your team? 38. 38? Oh, I had no idea it was that big. Yeah. Oh, Jenny, good for you. How long ago did you start start the agency? 2005. Okay. What did you do before that? I worked at Fleischmann Hillard for a long time. And then I went to an ad agency um, to build their PR department. 
And after oh, a couple of years, I was like, well, if I can do it for them. Turns out it wasn't quite as easy doing it for myself as it was for them. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I'm in my seventh year and I'm still kind of going like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> but I, don't, I don't have that big a team, that's for sure. Um, so you know what I really want to talk about now is I want to talk about your pandemic post that you did on your personal Facebook page. So Ginny did, um, because I knew Ginny um, from, from Agents of Change and other stuff, um, you, you nicely let me friend you on Facebook. And you wrote, first of all, you're a phenomenal writer. And you write with a lot of humor. And your book, Spin Sucks, is just one of my favorites. And, um, and then you started doing your 365 days. Can you just tell me about it? Because obviously we had no idea it was going to go that long. Right. And just, right. just to set the stage. So, so Ginny's husband, Kel Kelly, mm -hmm. is, is known as, and who she refers to as the large native. And her daughter, who is just turned eight, is referred to as the small native. So just that in and of itself with her po posts were like the large native and the small native. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll let you, I'll like let you take it in there. But just, it was really unique. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people who followed you, I know Bob did, um, really got a kick out of it. And like I said, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours, Vivica Von Rosen, the other day, and she's like, I really miss Jenny's daily pandemic posts because they were about life. And so what I'm getting at is it was about, it was truly the ups and downs and authentic side. <laughs> it was, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so the reason I did it is because I've, ha I've had two crises in my business life. And the first one was the great recession. And I remember the big stuff. I remember, you know, having, I remember the letters arriving that the clients were leaving. And I remember having to lay people off. I remember all the big stuff, but I don't remember the nitty gritty. Like, why did I make that decision? Or what did I do? What, what, what led up to that? Or why did we go to, in this direction? And I wish that I had had something that would that would do that. And I considered just keeping a journal, but I knew that that, that what I didn't have accountability to that. Right. And so I just figured I'd do something on Facebook just so I had something. Of course, I didn't think it would go on for a year. Um, and it did. Um, <laughs> but it also forced me. I mean, there were days that I was just like, I can't do this anymore. But it forced me to look at look who just popped on. <laughs> Hello, Vivica. We were just talking about we you. We were just talking about you. Um, it forced me to find something funny that had happened during the day, even if it was small. And just the habit of that and and the accountability uh, that I had created because everybody was like, where's your post? Where's your post? Where's your post? Where's your post? Right. Um that helped me get through it. And then the relatability of it all, like even if you didn't have small kids at home and you weren't also teaching first grade and then second grade, um, there, everybody was able to relate. And there was so much, like I said earlier, you know, it, I, I felt like in my small way, I was bringing people together when the rest of Facebook was so divisive. It was so right. bad. Right. And people said to me they would go onto Facebook just to see my posts and get off because it was that bad. Um, but it was, I mean, it really, it really helped me keep a positive attitude through it all. 
Well, share share a couple things that you wrote about just so that people can get sort of how gritty you got in a fun way. Like I remember one of the things I think that's probably stood out is that you're you basically let your daughter live in her pajamas for a year. I did. That's true. That Come on. Is. So so share a you know, there are lots of fun things about that. And 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 you and, and the other thing I've got to give you give you credit for is people would comment, and I think you're one of the most diligent personal responders of people's Facebook comments. I mean, I try to do the same thing. You have got me blown out of the water on that. You know, I have, my husband makes fun of me about that, but my, my philosophy on that, and I believe that no matter where it is, is you're giving me your time and current, a comment is currency. So the least I can do is thank you for that. Right. Mm -hmm. That That's my philosophy. And I know not everybody agrees with that and that's okay. No, I agree. Um, but yes, yeah, she did live in her pajamas for a year because I was like, this is not a battle I want to fight. So and Bob's in his pajamas right now. Yeah. And then um, uh, Emma, who's in from the south of France, says, no, I don't feel guilty about my kids being in pajamas. <laughs> the whole weekend. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so they finally went back to school on a hybrid schedule, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, the middle of January. And I had to buy her clothes because she didn't have any that fit. <laughs> so my husband was like, what's this $400 credit card charge? I'm like, oh, well, your kid needed clothes because she didn't have any clothes that fit because she's been in pajamas since last March. There you go. Mm. And so, and then you also, didn't you buy a, um, a pandemic dog? Oh, well, actually the puppy came before. Oh, okay. She came, she, <clears throat> I had a weak moment. My birthday's in February. I had a weak moment, my birthday weekend, and was like, let's go to the shelter and look at puppies. And so she was here a month before. That dog has literally never been alone, ever, in her whole life has never been alone. Because that's going to be uh, a shocker when that happens. Yeah. And she's an asshole. I'm sorry <laughs> to say that out loud, but she is. <laughs> oh, and then there was the swimming pool. I mean, wait, set the stage for where you live in Chicago and the size of your yard. Me. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, I live, told you I paid attention. I live four blocks from Wrigley Field. Four blocks from Wrigley Field in Chicago. Yeah. So in Chicago. In like yeah. a in a house, but like we're a, in a house like with a teeny, tiny little yard and a fence, right? Actually, we are I, we just measured the yard because Addie's doing um meters and centimeters in school. The yard is 25 feet long. I mean, it is a postage stamp, <clears throat> but it was like a thousand degrees outside and which never happens in Chicago. And we were stuck at home. So I bought, it is the best $150 I have ever spent a huge blow up pool, huge. And we stuck it in the driveway. My poor husband had to park the car on the street. <laughs> I didn't know that part. Mm -hmm. And she and I would get in there every day. Every day. Just relax in our pool. Couldn't actually swim in it because, you know, we're in the city and we couldn't go deep enough. But we'd sit there like this every day. So I'm curious, after doing all that, um, and, and we're talking about it and we're, and we're, you know, remembering some really funny points and stuff like that. Um, what do you think, if anything, that did for your brand? Because even though this was on your personal Facebook page, probably similar to like me and Vivica and Bob even and other people, we all end up 
our personal Facebook page has become not so personal, like just with people we know anymore, because we all are in the marketing world, right. in the communications world. And so we start and like, our clients become attached. So given that, what do you think, if anything, that your pandemic post did for like your personal brand? Um, well, it certainly kept me top of mind. I don't know if it did it in a good way. <laughs> oh, I think, um, I think it did. I, I well, think first it of all, whenever I think... we show our human side, that's always a nice thing. Yeah. Um, I did lose some friends over it, but oh, well. some people thought I was ridiculous and that's fine. That's fine. But I mean, well, same, same thing that we were talking about with values-based marketing, right? I mean, that's a risk you're going to take. Right. Some people don't appreciate it. Well, me. it's going to weed out the people that maybe weren't really worth being there to begin with, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because people keep asking me to do more of that, but I can't, the truth is, is that I would love to, but I can't figure out how to take that, that and combine it with work. I haven't figured that yeah. piece of it out yet. So, right. Are you going to do anything? I know you were going to create like a personal sort of album or a diary for yourself. Are you going to, have you thought about doing anything with your because you literally, you did 365 days religiously. So there's a um, company called Social Book that you just, you connect to your Facebook account and it pulls down all oh, the dates. Okay, right. So I did do that. Um, I don't really love it. First of all, it's called, <laughs> they named it the isolation dairy instead of diary. But I figured when, which, it, when it arrived. Kind of, kind of helps the whole, doesn't it? Yeah. When it arrived, Gary, I, started I mean, crying. the typo. Uh, and oh, my, my husband said, but this is, this is the last year. Like, why would that make you cry? It completely fits the last year. And I was like, that's a really good way of looking at it. So I was yeah. crying. Um, but it's kind of clunky. So I don't really love it. I, I like order. Yeah. <laughs> so I may, I may end up pulling all that stuff down myself and just oh, okay. something for later. But yeah. But yeah, I do. It's on my mantle. Yeah, so you don't think you're gonna do anything with it. So you're still kind of figuring out where it all fits in with like work. Yeah, I don't know if it like it can't be a published book because nobody's gonna like that's nobody's yeah. gonna buy that. But no, I, I, you know, I don't know if there's some way to combine work and life and cycling, like all of my I don't know. I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. Well, you know, maybe it's not meant to be that way, you know, but, but I still think, and did, did it make you feel from the standpoint of being a professional, did it make you feel like you were um, showing that sort of literally, obviously showing that peek behind the curtain in a way, did it do anything for you personally? Like, did it like, maybe you before pre-pandemic, you weren't as personal and then you became really super personal. And, and, you know, some of it was Sometimes there were days that you had that, like we all did, that would just sucked and you still posted. And then there were lots of things where you found the humor, which is great. But do you feel like it did anything for you just sort of as a as a whole person or a mom or anything, even a business person? From a business perspective, I think it put things in perspective for me. And, mm -hmm. and another friend and I were talking about this recently. Like She was like, Jenny, remember we used to get on planes and go places all the time and come home on the weekends and see our families. And then we do it again. Right. She's like, I never want to re ever want to return to that. And I'm like me either. Yeah. So it, it has it helped me put those kinds of things in perspective. It also helped me understand what's really important. Mm -hmm. And I freaking love being a mom. It's my mm -hmm. favorite thing. 
I yeah. mean, and she's a blast to be around. Well, she is um, mini me, as you say. Definitely your mini me. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is why I think she's a blast to be around. Like my husband always tells her I'm her e easiest audience because I, I think she is an absolute joy. Yeah. Um, but I it it helps put those kinds of things in perspective. So some some business things will change because of that. I'm not gonna be getting on the on a plane every week. Good. Um, I may not even get on a plane every month. Good. I'm super choosy about that kind of stuff. Um I've been it it helped me say no to things. Mm-hmm. And not feel guilty about it because I've got other stuff going on. You know, yeah. I still am teaching second grade two days a week and I just, that's just life. That's just the way it is. And I don't feel guilty about it. Right. You know, I was talking to um, Joe Thornley, who I do inside PR with, and he said, I've gotten to the point where, and I love this. I've gotten to the point where I work really early because that's when I'm creative. And then I do my morning meetings and I work with clients and then I take a break. I read a book, I take a nap, do whatever, you know, go for a walk, do whatever it is. And he goes around three 30, I decide it's five o'clock somewhere. And I sit back at my computer with a glass of wine and I create again. And I was like, I love that. <laughs> like a year and a half ago, none of us, if we did that, we would not admit it. And I right. think that that has been really valuable where we've just been like, we're people, we're human beings. I love that you mentioned that. Cause I've kind of said that I think we've all like, Pre-pandemic, I mean, I've been on Zoom for four or five years. I was still right. pre-pandemic. -pre I still, if I had a new client, I'd be like, we're going to be on Zoom. And they're like, yep. what's that? You know, what's and I had a little, way? I had like a little sheet that described what you do, you know? And, you know, now it's like everybody knows what it is. But I think that because of all of that, we all didn't feel like we had to get all made up or in a suit and tie or whatever. I, you know, remember when that video came out a couple years ago with the guy that was on the CNN and the little toddler came in and everybody was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Well, it's like now that's been normalized. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's really cool. Actually. Like I, I think we've all established a level of grace. Like as long as I can see you and your audio is good and, and you're giving me something that is valuable of interesting of, of whatever, like, I kind of like that it's not so um, polished. Yeah. Not that, yeah. does that make sense? <laughs> it does, yeah. Like, I think we we tried really hard to keep things compartmentalized Yeah, and pretend that there was nothing else going on. And for the first two months of, of last year, I, I did that too. Right. And it was, actually it was 41 days that I was like, because I, I just saw, that was the other reason I wanted to do it on Facebook is because it would keep popping up. Right, of course. Um, in your memory. It was 41 days that I was like, Okay, it is what it is. Like, I can't pretend she's not here because she is. Right. Yeah, and it's just not. It's just not worth it after a while. It's just right. like as long as you're presenting and you're doing the job and people are getting what they need out of it. That's what I think. I think we've all become more gracious about it. I'd like to I think, think so anyway. too. But it is interesting that it all relates back to the whole value-based marketing piece. So yeah. I, I like that tie-in. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today and having having coffee or whatever it is that you're drinking with me. Like we could like toast to the camera. <laughs> um, so before we go though, I just want to make sure that um, what are the best ways for people to connect with you and learn about your book and all of that? Spinsucks.com is the easiest. Everything's there, all social and everything. Okay. All right. And um, is it okay if people connect with you on LinkedIn? Yeah, of course. All right. Um, and also, oh, quickly, you also do a podcast. Just tell us quickly about your podcast. I got coerced into doing a podcast. It's the bane of my existence, <laughs> but it's also our number one lead generator. So. Oh, wow. 
How often? How many? How often do you um, do you uh, do? How, is it once a week? It's once a week. Yeah, okay. we release it on Tuesdays, and we decided. So the big thing for me was, I didn't. <laughs> this is going to sound terrible, but um, <clears throat> I I didn't have the time to do set up interviews and do the research and do all that kind of stuff. And so, and that's why I kept pushing back on the podcast. I was like, I'm, I can't, I don't have the time. And especially now, like, because I do the podcast on the weekends. So right. trying to fit it into my week, I just couldn't do it. And the, the my team was like, well, why don't you do it so that it's just tips and it's something that you, and I was like, oh, well, I can do that. <laughs> hey, are you on Clubhouse? Speaking of not, I mean, I am on Clubhouse, but I don't have my own. Yeah. I know it's one more thing, right? Yeah. I'm a, I've been, it's funny. It's interesting. A lot of people like me, like LinkedIn experts, LinkedIn people um, seem to have a huge presence on clubhouse and my head's still spinning a little bit from it, but it's also opened up me meeting more people um, and just, it's another Avenue, but I was, I was getting on it too often. And I was like, I don't have, I don't have time for this. And so now I've, I figured out on clubhouse, turn your notifications off because otherwise you get like 50 of them a day. Yep. And, um, you know, and it's uh, it just pick and choose what you want, just like anything. Right. 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 <laughs> and, and uh, Bob just said, are we done already? So <laughs> love you, Bob. <laughs> so Jenny, thank you so much. Thanks everybody. Bye. Thanks for tuning in your journey to online visibility and personal branding success is just beginning. If you're ready to take it to the next level, I have something really special for you. I'm offering a complimentary discovery call exclusively to our listeners. This personalized session is your chance to ask questions and gain insights on your personal branding efforts or even your LinkedIn marketing strategies. I've also prepared a free ebook titled Telling Your Story, Tips to Discover What Sets You Apart. It's packed with tips and tricks to help you identify your own compelling slice of life story. This resource will empower you to craft a narrative that captivates your audience and sets you apart from the competition. To schedule your free discovery call or to access the Telling Your Story ebook, simply click the links in the podcast description below.